Hello, or how we say it in Bulgarian, Zdravete, and welcome to the SAP Cloud Platform Podcast, episode 39. My name is Yuna Ivanova, and I am your podcast host from Sofia, Bulgaria. This is really a special episode, simply because it's for the greatest month out there, April. And I'm not saying this only because my birthday is in April, even though it's a nice option, but it's really lovely all over the globe. It's wonderful weather in Sofia, a bit windy, but still nice in Boston, US, and definitely a green springtime in SAP headquarters in Waldorf. Trust me, I've been to all three locations during this month. So, we will talk about some really cool topics today, starting with a brief overview of the newest updates on SAP Cloud Platform, then the special part will be a couple of interviews from the Cloud Foundry Summit in North America, with some SAP colleagues that presented on the summit and work on Cloud Foundry related open source projects. And to wrap it up, as usual, we will take a look at the upcoming events with a small addition to take a look at the ongoing and interesting open SAP courses. And that's it for today, so let's start! As usual, we've chosen some highlights of the latest release to share during the podcast. For the full overview, please check the release notes online on help.sep.com. Go to the Cloud Platform and open the Release Notes tab. There is a new region for a new environment located in Kingdom of Saudi Arabia in Asia and a new region in Netherlands Europe for a Cloud Foundry running on Microsoft Azure, which is available for trial users. When it comes to new lifecycle management, you can now deploy an application saving some upload time by copying an application binaries that are already deployed. In new environment, sub-account administrators can retrieve audit logs in JSON format via an OData API. SAP Enterprise Messaging is now available as a service in the Cloud Foundry environment. It lets you connect applications, services and devices across different technologies and platforms. Looking at the extensions, I think interesting news to mention are that you can now develop a side-by-side -side extension application of your SAP S4HANA cloud solution. For more details how to do this, check the official documentation linked from the release note. Success factors extensions, there is a new scope that enables you to manage Java applications role provider using the cockpit. You can also now easily migrate your projects from SAP Web IDE to SAP Web IDE full stack. And many, many more new features, enhancements, as well as some announcements were published since the March podcast, so take a look at the full list in the release notes. And now it's time to go to Boston with the Cloud Foundry Summit North America interviews. I got a chance to attend the summit and I thought it will be interesting to interview some of the SAP presenters there. So hope you like it. First, to, to give you a bit of an impression of the event, I want to share the summary in numbers for the Cloud Foundry Summit North America this year, which was presented on the last day of the event on stage. There were 144 sessions on the event, 63 Cloud Foundry member companies, eight Cloud Foundry certified platforms for 2018 already, including, of course, the SAP Cloud Platform, and 1,525 registered attendees. So, it's time for the interviews. Hello, we are here in Boston together with my colleague and friend, Bernd Kronig. And uh, yeah, Bernd, you already participated in the last podcast, giving an interview along with uh, Chip Childers for the Cloud Foundry Day in Sofia. 
and still maybe an intro for those who missed this episode. Okay, so yeah, I'm, I'm a technical lead at SAP Cloud Platform, looking into Cloud Foundry related topics. Um, been there uh, with the Cloud Foundry topic for, I, I guess, four years or so. Um, so part of the team that initially started taking open source Cloud Foundry and putting that into SAP Cloud Platform. Okay. Sounds, sounds interesting, definitely. And uh, you're actually not only attending the Cloud Foundry Summit here in Boston, but mm -hmm. you're also a, a panelist speaker. We had your session yesterday. Mm -hmm. And the topic definitely sounds rather cool and uh, for sure relevant uh, mm -hmm. nowadays. It's uh, Cloud Foundry and Kubernetes. Would it, will it actually blend? So mm -hmm. what scenarios do you see where using the Cloud Foundry application runtime and Kubernetes next to each other mm -hmm. where required a blending part? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, basically, I think at SAP, the whole discussion started already in, in 2016. And, and there we said, like, we, we see Kubernetes evolving into something that, that's very common, that's, that's going to be a de facto standard when it comes to infrastructure abstraction. And like, even then, we, we started a discussion of how can we bring the two things together. And, and uh, I think that finally got picked up by the Cloud Foundry Foundation in Basel and, and was recognized by the fact that now there's this terminology and um, terms around SAP, uh, uh, sorry, around Cloud Foundry application runtime and also around what's called Cloud Foundry container runtime, which I usually still call just Kubernetes. Um, and like those are now both parts of the Cloud Foundry ecosystem and pretty much every major vendor is, is actually um, offering a combination of both. And, and therefore, obviously, you right away come into the question of if, if you have both, then how do these two pieces integrate? And that is, on the one hand, from a developer perspective, that is actually um, using both the Cloud Foundry application runtime as well as Kubernetes and deploying parts of their workloads here and other parts there. How, how do these two things integrate, starting from topics like user management and, and common authentication going over to how do I actually communicate between pieces that are sitting inside Cloud Foundry and, and to, on top of Kubernetes. And, and there's qu quite a few others, uh, common services between the two, sharing of service instances. And, and all of that, like so far, has not been addressed in a way that there's a standard solution. Yes, you can always like tell people how that could be done in a one-off kind of basis. Um, but yeah, together with, with IBM and, and SUSE, our partners in, in that effort, um, we have started to come up with more um, community-based suggestions on how we actually think those topics should be, should be tackled. Um, the other aspect, though, is also looking at it from uh, the perspective of an operator of, of those two stacks, uh, simply because there's, from my perspective, quite a bit of duplication between the Cloud Foundry application runtime and Kubernetes, starting from like the lifecycle management aspect of, of how Cloud Foundry is, is actually managed and um, Kubernetes is, is managed. Um, going over to, there's obviously two container schedulers, um, both uh, the Diego scheduler inside Cloud Foundry and then also uh, the general container scheduling capabilities in Kubernetes. And um, reducing the overlap there and the duplication there is, is definitely something that uh, we think is, is, is going to make the life of operators easier. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned already that um, a lot of things should change. A lot of things um, are kind of 
contributing to this blending together to you achieve a better experience uh, once you have both environments, both stacks running close to each other. And that I think that's inevitable for every vendor. Uh, then um, just uh, maybe some, can you shed some light on what are the open source projects mm -hmm. uh, we from SAP are involved in this mm -hmm. direction? Yeah, so as I said, we're working on, on those topics together with IBM, but we've just recently started an effort where actually six people from our Sophia lab are, are uh, involved working on an open source project full-time, which is around what we call service manager. So that is uh, essentially coming up with a common catalog of services based on the open service broker API specification that's meanwhile used inside Cloud Foundry and Kubernetes. So having that common catalog between those two environments, but then also having the ability to create a service instance here or there and then share it to, to the other environments. So usually I explain that by, by saying, let's imagine a message queue component that you CF create service, my RabbitMQ. Uh, and you hook that up to a couple of Cloud Foundry apps, but then you also want to have workloads on Kubernetes participating in communicating over that uh, common message queue. And, and this is what the service manager project and the specification that we are now driving with Google, IBM, Pivotal, and, and SUSE together is, is actually aiming for. So, so that's, that's one project. Then an, another project is around like working on that deduplication of, of infrastructure when it comes to uh, the container scheduling efforts. So there's a project that was initiated by IBM where also uh, people from, from the Sophia Lab are, are going to, to join uh, shortly to basically provide an option inside the Cloud Foundry application runtime to uh, choose between Diego, which is like the de facto standard today, and, and then also Kubernetes to actually schedule and, and then run Cloud Foundry-based applications on. So you do a CF push as, as you're used to, to doing it inside Cloud Foundry, but the result is actually that you get an application that is running on Kubernetes. So yeah. that's that's another project. And then thirdly, this is like maybe the the, the, the youngest project still and the one where we need to spend also some, some more time in like ironing out the, the technical details is to then take the Cloud Foundry control plane, so other components like uh, the UAA, the user and authentication component of Cloud Foundry, the Cloud Controller and other components, and also running those as workloads on top of Kubernetes. So those are activities where, where we are involved in as, as SAP. Nice, sounds like a thrilling future ahead. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> quite, quite, quite some exciting things coming up there, also quite some, uh, I would say, dynamics here at the summit. Yeah. having the opportunity to talk to to all involved um, companies actually and also get the feedback from um, cloud foundry users or cloud foundry operators on, mm -hmm. on the topic so i think we pretty much saw that in all keynote sessions that there was uh, kind of a mentioning of, of kubernetes all over the place uh, i think we also saw it in uh, the sessions that happened um, for example also sanjay did a session which i heard mm -hmm. was was quite quite packed, 150 yeah. people close to well. um, attending that one. Then our panel discussion also quite quite a few attendees there, even though we had like the last slot um, at, at, at the evening. So uh, I think that all shows that like people are expecting um, 
quite some some changes inside Cloud Foundry to make that blending actually happen. Yeah, you can also definitely sense it's uh, important and relevant for all the vendors involved in the foundation mm -hmm. and also for the foundation itself. It was right. mentioned quite a lot. Same yeah, impression from my end. Yep. Great. Uh, then really thanks a lot for having yeah. your time with me here yeah. at You're the welcome. summit. Yeah. Always. <laughs> thanks. Thank you. So I'm um, here in Boston, as you understood already, for the Cloud Foundry Summit and I uh, have one more colleague to chat with here with me. Uh, nice meeting you here, Nikolai, in Boston. So maybe can you introduce briefly yourself for our audience? Yeah, nice to meet you as well, uh, Ina. So I'm, I'm Nikolai Volchev. I'm uh, working for three years now uh, as a development architect in the lifecycle management area of Cloud Foundry at SAP. Okay. And uh, you're actually one of the speakers from SAP here at the summit. Uh, so what was your talk about? Yeah, actually, uh, I was here to, to present and, uh, a project we are developing for, uh, for three years now at SAP. Uh, it helps uh, application developers by uh, actually providing simplified lifecycle management for their business apps. And uh, the interesting thing about it is, is that it is right now open source and we are actually proposing it for incubation in the Cloud Foundry extensions area. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Okay. And uh, you mentioned business apps. Uh, yeah. So uh, what are the characteristics of a business application? Yeah. Actually, the, the main challenge we are trying to, to address is that uh, usually uh, cloud apps actually they consist of uh, multiple uh, interconnected components bringing uh, different aspects and this end-to-end uh, -end business capability so uh, we see uh, developers uh, pushing apps uh, creating uh, and uh, binding services exposing apps via routes etc mm -hmm. so all this as part of this one business capability and uh, with the multi apps project we are actually providing a declarative model uh, and deploy tooling around it to automate uh, uh, the lifecycle management of these apps. So one of the, uh, actually the benefits we provide is first of all this declarative model. Developers could mm -hmm. express declaratively the structure of the app plus the dependencies between the different low-level apps, services, etc. So the, our deploy tooling could actually uh, uh, provision all things uh, consistently, wire them, uh, um, ensure the right deployment order, etc. And uh, yeah, uh, another benefit is that uh, you can also describe default configuration of your app, mm -hmm. but also uh, say which are the changing pieces that could be actually provided on uh, in different deployment contexts as well. Yeah. So that's what multi-apps project is all about, right? Yeah, that's it. Uh, as I said, it is uh, already open source. We plan to evolve it further in the in the community mm -hmm. as part of the Cloud Foundry extensions uh, area. And yeah, our goal remains to to help developers by actually simplifying the lifecycle management of their business apps. And these are more or less the, the next steps to be one of yeah, the incubation sure. projects in the extensions area. Good, so uh, thanks a lot for having this chat with you and uh, good luck with the next steps with the project. Looking forward, evolving yeah. it into community. So yeah. thank, thank you as well. Yeah. Thanks. Good. So um, yeah, being here in, in Boston at the summit, I have uh, another colleagues of mine um, and the pleasure to meet them here. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, hi guys, uh, hi. Uh, maybe introduce yourselves. My name is Shashank. I work as a chief architect uh, with the cloud platform team in Bangalore. 
we provide uh, service fabric as a control plane for uh, provisioning backing services as well as we manage and operate the backing services. Hi, Anna, thanks. Uh, so I'm Ashish and I'm the lead for service fabric and a product owner for service fabric within SAP. And thanks, and uh, nice meeting you in person actually, because we never meet each other yes. when we work in a different location. Same here. Yeah. Same here, yeah. How big is SAP, you know? And uh, like the other guys I already interviewed uh, on the summit, you're not only attending the summit, but actually SAP speakers here. Uh, maybe can you shed some light on your session? What was it about? So the session was about SF Service Fabric 1.0 architecture, and then why do we plan to move to Service Fabric 2.0 architecture? and then basically followed by a demo so so that is what was the plan within the summit yeah. and maybe um, some information on what is the service fabric project about so what are the main points the project mm -hmm. addresses so service fabric project as i also mentioned uh, in the introduction is about provisioning operating and managing backing services mm -hmm. so any enterprise grade cloud foundry deployment will have applications and microservices based on design they primarily want to consume backing services mm -hmm. So how do you quickly, with ease, first of all, provision a backing service like a database or a messaging queue or a broker or a Redis cache and then operate and manage that, which by operatability, I mean operations like backup, restore, monitoring should be taken care of by, by the umbrella of service fabric. Then there are uh, certain uh, other aspects like how these services can be monitored, how these services can be easily consumed by the operators itself not just by the application. So this is the whole ambit of service fabric. Right. So just to add a few more points here, so uh, some capabilities, for example, scheduling your backups is another capability provided by service fabric. And then uh, the upgrade capabilities where you may want to upgrade your uh, backing services instances, uh, maybe for a security patch. Yes. So that can be done in a forced manner as well as in a periodic way as well, using the scheduler capabilities within service fabric. Yeah. Although sounds like a really, really important stuff when we talk about really enterprise capabilities and enterprise um, qualities right. for a service. Yeah, that's so true. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's a very important project, I would say. And uh, you mentioned earlier about the Service Fabric 2.0. So what's uh, new and noteworthy planned ahead? Sure. So uh, in our interactions, since we are also open source now, so there were few requests like Today we are little bit opinionated where we say we can only do Bosch deployment or Docker deployment. So customers ask, can I do a KTS or Kubernetes based deployment out of service fabric? Or can I just use plain Terraform scripts to do a deployment? So this is where the whole idea of SF2.0 originated. Can I decouple the components in service fabric 1.0 and make it available for customers or the people who are using this in open source to allow their provisioning mechanisms, their way of doing backups, their way of operating, their way of monitoring. They can just plug and play around these components and Service Fabric 2.0 provides the framework and the communication model around these components. Right. And of course, uh, so this is an experimental project. This is being tried out right now. And uh, since we are in open, I think it makes more sense to basically be more open, more pluggable, right? Rather than being opinionated or intertwined kind of architecture. So the plan is basically that we uh, go ahead with an event-driven architecture approach, which is definitely where the industry is moving towards. So yeah, that's yeah. about it. Yeah. And you are already an incubation project, so I guess you're looking as well for some other contributors to join uh, right. the journey. That's yeah. true, yeah. So, And that's one of the reasons when we say that we open it up more, so there's yeah. a community adoption, as an example, you the 
we talked about the Bosch project of backup and restore. So can people bring that in into the service fabric umbrella? Right. So things like that. So yeah, it was it was definitely nice uh, talking to you guys and uh, looking forward for the service fabric 2.0. Sure. And kind of yeah. Thank Thanks. you so much. Thanks. It was nice talking to you Conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Hope you liked the interviews from the Club Foundry Summit in Boston and again thanks to my colleagues that had really interesting information to share around the Club Foundry projects they work on. Now it's time for the upcoming events teasers. There are a couple of SAP Inside Track events upcoming in May. Obviously May is really a good month for Inside Track events. There are uh, events planned in Copenhagen, Vancouver and Wroclaw in May, so check this out in case you happen to be nearby these locations. In addition to the upcoming events, which you can monitor also on sap.com slash developer slash events, um, this time I wanted to highlight the just started or self-paced open SAP courses, which are really relevant from SAP Cloud Platform users. There is a good one called Cloud Native Development with SAP Cloud Platform, it started on April 10th and will continue till May 30. Another one for SAP Cloud Platform version control with Git also started on April 10. And there is a self-paced cloud native operations with SAP Cloud Platform training. So think about enrolling in these trainings. I know they are really good and check also for any other interesting open SAP courses on open.sap.com courses. And that's it to today for today from me, from the Windy Boston and Sunny Sofia. Take care, enjoy the upcoming podcast episodes and talk to you soon. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the SAP Cloud Platform podcast. In case you are interested to learn more about SAP Cloud Platform, visit our homepage at cloudplatform.sap.com. The SAP Cloud Platform podcast is powered by OpenSAP. OpenSAP is SAP's innovative learning platform and the thought leader for enterprise massive open online courses. It provides you with an engaging and effective learning experience through gamification and by connecting you with other learners and SAP experts. OpenSAP courses are free of charge and are offered in English. Enroll today in one of our OpenSAP courses at open.sap.com. Thanks a lot and see you.